Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Brabender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, my co-host, Anne-Marie Singleton, and our guests joining us from Tiffin University for a five-part podcast series about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Let's get started. Nadia Lewis and Julia Porter are our original representatives from the Center of Intercultural Excellence at Tiffin University and here for our fifth and final episode of our DE&I podcast series. We're thrilled to add another guest, Jacob Simon, who serves as the Assistant Vice President for Intercultural and Community Engagement and Dean of Students at Tiffin University. As an alumnus of TU, he truly cares about the learning, growth, and development of students. Originally from Morrill, Ohio, Jacob has lived in Tiffin for about 12 years. Before becoming the Dean of Students in 2021, he served in various student affair roles since graduating from TU in 2013. Jacob holds a Master of Arts degree in college student personnel from Bowling Green State University. Today, we'll learn more about identifying microaggressions, celebrating cultural uniqueness, and how to create a sustainable working culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our fifth and final episode in this podcast series about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, Thank you so much to Nadia and Julia, our experts who have been along this journey for the past five episodes. Um, and Anne-Marie, obviously, for being in the studio with me today. Yes, hello. Hello, yep. everyone. Welcome. And we also have with us today a new voice on our podcast, Jacob Simon. And we're so excited to have you with us today. So, Jacob, share a little bit about your role with Tiffin University. Absolutely. Listeners. Hi, everybody. Hello. Um, my name is Jacob Simon. I currently serve as the Assistant Vice President for intercultural and community engagement, as well as the Dean of Students at Tiffin University. I am the newest member of the Center for Intercultural Excellence team, and I'm really excited to work with Nadia and Julia and our other facilitators on bringing diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging to organizations as they begin their journey or continue on this very, very important work. So I look forward to chatting with you all today and um, really making some new connections. So Jacob, how did you know you wanted to be involved in this kind of diversity movement? I mean, I feel like you're rather young. You're a graduate of TU. What what drew you to this? Absolutely. So through my time at Tiffany University, um, I, I'm actually a student or a graduate of TU, as you mentioned, and I just really saw some real some transformative work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space when it came to the folks that I was working with, my mentors, my faculty members. Um, As I went to graduate school at Bowling Green State University and took courses in multicultural issues and student affairs, um, it really showed me how important it is that being included, being supported, being um, really uplifted to, to do my best and to be able to create that opportunity for students at Tiffin University and elsewhere was just so powerful for me. And um, to bring that to other folks, to help people be their best selves and to create those environments for that opportunity for other people um, is just so uplifting. To see people, the light bulbs go off in in folks' heads as we're doing a training is just so magical that I love to see that happen. So um, being in that space is really, really rewarding for me. Yeah, so just for our listeners, because 
your job description sounds so cool and also very uh, large and overreaching. <laughs> Dean of Students is overwhelming just to hear that, right? Um, but give an example. I think you said training just now, but like give a, an example or two of what might happen during the course of a day or a week in your life and what does your role do? do? What do you do? Oh, so much. Um, so <laughs> we only have 30 students. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> In, in the Dean of Students side of my role, um, obviously helping students learn, grow, and develop outside of the classroom. There, we know that there's so much learning that happens um, in that space. So uh, helping to facilitate that within the residence halls, within uh, student organizations, and, and all of those great um, learning modalities, right? Um, but now with my continued role with the center, um, working to support and uplift our diversity and minority focused um, student organizations with really all of the scaffolding around it that needs to be in place for them to do well and to be successful, right? So um, we know that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, like all of those, all of that has to be supported system-wide and that's where my role comes in. So helping facilitate those difficult conversations, having those training opportunities that maybe somebody's never been exposed to the idea of gender and sexual diversities, right? So how can I help get somebody from where they are to where they need to be in order to best serve the folks that we're working with? What exactly is the population makeup of Tiffin student-wise? Is it, are a lot of people from Ohio? Do we have people out of state? Are they around the area? What, what do you see? all over the place. Um, we obviously have a great big pool from um, Northwest Ohio, Southern Michigan, um, some of Indiana, but we have students from all over the United States, all over the world. Um, our commencement ceremony was just a little while ago, and I believe we had 22 different countries that walked across the stage. We have wow. uh, lots and lots of first-generation college students that attend TU. So that creates all kinds of opportunities for learning, but also some challenges because there's individuals that have never been exposed to this environment through their family or others. And we get to, we get to be part of that learning process for them, which I just think is so powerful. And I asked this in our last episode with President Schumacher, but uh, it, it looked like employees were drawn to Tiffin because of this DEI movement. Have you found students that have purposely come to Tiffin because of all the work you're doing with Intercultural Center? I honestly have. We really hit it hard as we're going through the enrollment process, as we talk about coming to Tiffin University and our celebrating cultural uniqueness initiatives. Um, that's on our marketing pieces. That's on our website. That is all over the place. And students really see that. And I think that that makes a difference to them. Mm -hmm. Know that they can be who they're going to be. Yep. CCU right. at TU. We've right. <laughs> got it down now. I know. Yes. So, Nadia, I remember one of the things we talked about at the very start of this journey is how DEI, most people jump right to ethnicity or sexual orientation. And I've learned it's way more than that. It's with speaking with you all, it's about inclusion, diversity, compassion, and so much more. So, can you just explain how it's way more than how you speak or look or dress? Yeah, I'm at the end of the day, and, and, and to summarize it in, in very easy terms, it's about creating a culture where people are seen, um, they, that for their unique contributions and 
that they can show up unapologetically, authentically who they are, that they're heard, you know, that they are able to give those contributions that they can say and offer moments of, of teachable moments and learning opportunities for um, people to be brought in to who they are and, and knowing that they're unique and not to be classified or in a box or stereotyped with others. Um, that they're connected. Uh, people generally want to, we spend so many hours at work, we want to generally be connected right. to the people we work with each and every day. Um, and there is far more, and I've said this before, there's far more that, um, that brings us together than separates us mm -hmm. um, that we have in common. But those things that we don't have in common are wonderful things to be celebrated and to learn from um, and to be respected um, by as well. And then support. Mm -hmm. To support every single individual in the workplace. This is how you develop a true employee experience that is rewarded or rewarding for every person within an organization. Those, those I think, are the, the best little buckets to understand why this work is so important. It's the individual factor. It's not a group. It's not the big sexy of the day. Um, it's being respectful, empathetic, and thoughtful to the unique needs and how people show up each and every day. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I think this might be, you guys are all experts and you're, this is a safe place. So, so help me if what I say sounds wrong or weird. But I think sometimes in business, and I know in my own experience with myself as well as others over time, we hear what you just said and we think, okay, how does this relate to job performance? Do I have to give and bend on the requirements of the job? Am I going to have to accept a poor performer because they're, um, you know, they're showing up as their authentic self? And that is a very limiting belief. We're not talking about not getting the business needs met. We're not talking about someone not meeting the requirements of their job. Um, that is not at all what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are capable. We are talking about people who have potential, which we talked about in one of our prior episodes, um, but not making judgments and also not being closed to understanding who they are as a person. So expand on that a little bit because that's what keep, keeps running through my mind because I think people here, I have to accept poor performance because of these things. And that's not at all what you're saying. No, it's it's more of un wanting to understand, right? Not not resigning to the fact that poor performance is happening because you've neglected to really understand who the person is that's showing up mm -hmm. every day. And you've neglected to understand not everyone needs to have the exact same toolbox you're giving them and can make the resources of that to of that toolbox work for them. Um, everyone needs to have different tools in their box. You need to understand what those tools are for them to be successful. And absolutely nine times out of 10, it's within your ability to accommodate that pathway of success for them. Mm -hmm. So it's knowing the individual, how success matters, how it can matter, um, and then what resources you have available to you to be able to have that person have and utilize so they can be successful not putting everyone in the same cookie cutter shape um, because not everyone is exactly cut out the same as the next person and the next person. That's yeah. what it means. It's just understanding the individual. 
Right. And it's really hard for, um, we use something here called the predictive index. Um, mm -hmm. You may be familiar with PI. And yes. so people can work outside of their, um, I'll say their, their okay. normal pattern of behavior. They can work outside of it, right? They have the ability to do that um, because we're, we're people and we're, we can learn and we can adapt, but not yeah. forever and not without an enormous amount of stress. And so yeah. that's similar to what you're talking about here is just understand, understand people at a different level and understand how they can work in their role or in the organization and, and be curious, ask questions. And I see your head nodding, Julia, and, and, uh, and yours as well. Jacob, anything you want to add to that? I really just, the way you started that question, Anne-Marie, was really important to me, like understanding that we're all coming from where we are right now and it might not sound exactly right when it comes out or it might not come out exactly the way that I need to, but having that moment of vulnerability to say, I'm not the expert in this moment and I, and I want to ask, I want to learn, I want to extend my abilities to that space is so impactful and, and, so, and is so powerful. So really holding on to that and opening up that space to have these conversations and to talk further about what we don't understand um, and doing it from a place of care, respect, and love is, is really the goal and really the purpose of what we're doing. So I just wanted to call that out. Yeah. And I think to what, what Jacob just said is people need to be um, able to answer those questions and willing to answer those questions. So if we want people to be open and authentic and trying to learn, we need to make sure that when they come to us with questions that we're willing to sit down and have those conversations and answer them without making them feel um, like they've not done the right thing or that they aren't important and what they're asking is invaluable. Yeah, right, thanks. So um, last episode we discussed, we kind of ended with organizational blind spots and we were talking about some examples. Um, Julia, what are some common ones that you have found? I know one thing we wanted to talk about was microaggressions. Does that count in that <laughs> category? <laughs> it, it, it absolutely does. And I think um, when we're talking about belonging, I think one of the things that we sometimes neglect to is to think about gender and how we are um, treating each other. We don't know where everybody comes from in the morning. We said this so many times. We are all coming to situations with a different lens. And I think this is where microaggressions can kind of creep up, right? We're all exposed to a certain thing. And so one of the things I've found in um, academia is if, if you're a woman and you sit down and I can sit down in a room where I have a PhD and everybody else has a PhD and we're all there to talk about the same thing. Yet if I'm the only female in the room, somebody's going to ask me to take the notes. Mm -hmm. And it, it's difficult. So those things kind of creep up and those are blind spots that we all kind of miss, right? And, and who are we offending or belittling with one tiny little comment? Mm -hmm. um, and though that may seem silly, like, Julia, just take the notes. It's like, well, I've always been taking the notes. Am I the only one capable of writing things down? And mm -hmm. I came in with a heavy mental load today. You may not want me to take the notes because <laughs> I leave everything off. That's important. So I think just that, that's some of the blind spots that we have in organizations is seeing who who else is, is being a part of this, um, these microaggressions or, those little things and somebody may say to me like well that doesn't seem like a big deal no it, it's not really in that one instance maybe but as those little instances build up i'm gonna yeah. be upset i'm gonna be frustrated i'm gonna come to this space differently yes. behave differently 
not want to be authentic or maybe you know when that happens enough to me I, i'm it's difficult for me not to be angry and not to be confused about those people that i'm working with and wondering if they really do have my best interest in mind um or if they see me as less than them and jacob i know you have some great examples about microaggressions if you want to speak to that as well sure so we talk about microaggressions quite a bit in our training and facilitation and there's different types that we can experience and, the, and that we can and bring up. And I just want to mention a few. So there's ideas where it's like, you're an alien in your own land. If someone comes up to you and says, wow, where are you from? Um, or where are you actually from? Where were you born? And that's just mm -hmm. assuming that you're not from here. That's othering you automatically and, and putting you in a different place. That this idea of colorblindness. If we're coming to a space and saying, well, I don't see your race. I don't see you as black. I don't see you as Latino, Latina, Latinx. Like you're eliminating and asking them to assimilate to an entire culture. There's different ways that we can support and, and advance this conversation without othering, without erasing somebody's identity, without putting somebody in that different space and, and eliminating from the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I listened to, um, I've been trying to learn about all different things for a long time. And I have, um, most listeners know I have now 20 year old twins. And so, you know, they're constantly um, pushing me in a different way, right? Because they're growing up in a different time. And so my daughter's been talking about these microaggressions for a number of years. And I was like, what microaggression? What does that even mean? Um, so I've been trying to, to learn What's about the definition, that and, please? and study. And one of the things that I've started to do, which I picked up from a podcast I listened to, is notice them. And then um, now I'm brave enough to interrupt and say, hey, help me understand what you meant when you said this. And um, I watched this other um, short, short uh, podcast about how these microaggressions, as you just described, Julia, are like a mosquito bite. So you get one and it's like, okay, well that's itchy. You get 10 and you're like, all right, I'm, I'm done. You know, why do I have yeah. to take the notes in this meeting? <laughs> and they, I noticed them specifically around gender because I'm a female in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a business world with a lot of men. And um, I feel very comfortable asking questions now on, you know, what, what did you mean by that? Or why did you say that? And yeah. um, recently I, I paused, paused a conversation where someone said, hey, we've got uh, so-and-so coming in and there's, um, you know, the HR and benefits person and the CFO. And another male counterpart asked that male person, well, what's his name? And the person said, well, it's actually a woman. They have three people in leadership. They're super progressive. And I was like, hey, time out. It's not 1800. What, <laughs> what is, what, you know, what are you guys, like, let's talk about that for Good a minute. Good for you. And so... <laughs> That would have been something I probably would have let pass for forever and ever. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, as a, as a female leader of a largely male team, I have an opportunity to make a difference. And um, yeah. for many years, I just, you know, joined the, the conversation. And um, to the point of, and I'll tell one more quick story, I had, and I love all my colleagues, and people don't know they're doing this. And this is part of the reason we're having this conversation one of them was, uh, I was on the phone and someone overheard us talking. It was evening and um, the person said, you know, what's it like if your boss is a girl? And um, the response was, Amory, well, she's, she's a dude. And I was like, well, I think I've been insulted twice. What just happened here? 
but it was a compliment, you know? And so we have this, I, we joke about it now, but I had the discussion like, Hey, you guys, like, no, like, I mean, thank you for thinking I'm part of your, your group and including me, but also I'm different. So, um, I don't know. And and I hear that as a woman leader too, like the fact that it's, it's justified that you're a female in the workspace because you act like a male. Like, I'm like, wow, Not fair. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. So it's, just- I think it's so common. It's so common in, in the gender space because we're living in it and we're seeing it and we're seeing things change rapidly. I think also, I always use my daughter as an example. Um, she's black and has white parents. So there's always immediately the assumption about her parents. Um, to some level until they meet us. That's very discouraging for her. But um, she stood up for herself very early on. So I think if we're teaching these microaggressions and that they're wrong, people are growing up to understand. So somebody had said to her that they didn't see color. And she literally said, well, then you don't see me. You don't see Mm -hmm. me because I am part of who I look like. That's a part of me. And if I think you know, when, then when I asked about it, because then I'm a mom swooping in, she's little, she's seven. Why would you say that to a child? Well, we want them to belong. Well, she can belong and still be black. Right. I mean, that's very important. And so though, I don't think these things are ever, sometimes they are intentional, but for the most part, I don't think they're intentional. Somebody saying, oh, you're one of the dudes. They don't mean to, they're, they're trying to be nice, right? But then again, to me as a woman, I'm I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be like every other dude. I want to stand out um, for what I am doing and what I'm accomplishing. Um, in fact, in this world, you almost say, despite a gender that maybe people don't want to see you succeed. So I, I want yeah. to be that person and, and it's difficult. I think you have to come to terms with what is important to you and what you're, what you're willing to say, I think, People like to have conversations if if you're they're willing to learn, they want to know. And I think I'm, I'm so excited, Anne-Marie, to hear that you're speaking up about this because it's so important, especially from leaders. And yeah. how exactly do you get, if you're not Anne-Marie and you don't have the confidence to kind of stand up for yourself and just set aside time to talk about it, what advice would you give to the people that are still offended or hurt, but you they are like, I can't just go grab this leader and tell them that was wrong? What, what would, advice would you give? Any of you? <laughs> Gosh, I think one I, thing is to think about it too, right? I mean, I always like to like make some notes and write things down. And I'm one of those people that gets in my car and starts to drive home and wished I would have said 9 million things. I'm sure I always think that. of it after, I know. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and so I, I've even like then sat down and thought about it. And I've sent an email before and using the note-taking thing as an experience, I I sent an email and said, hey, I noticed that you're constantly asking me to take notes and I'd like to really engage and be a part of the process as well. So is there a way we can record this if nobody's ready to, Mm -hmm. you know, it it just can't always fall on me. And it was one of those things where really that person was like, I didn't realize I ask you every time. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe because you did it one time that falls in my mind, it had nothing to do with your gender and you just you felt that way and I'm sorry. And I, I agreed that, okay, look, let's have this conversation. So sometimes maybe it isn't even best to say things right away. I don't know if, if you have all those mosquito bites, right? You're really itchy and angry and you don't want to respond immediately. Sometimes taking that time and, and writing things down is important too. Yeah. Not reflection is important. Yeah. yeah, no, reflection's important. And I think, you know, what if, if you're not in a, a space where you feel comfortable addressing that immediate um, hurt, 
then reflect on it. I always say, understand the intent of which it was said, right? Is that person trying to intentionally hurt you? Um, are they in a space where they just didn't know and, mm -hmm. and, and made a misstep? Um, you know, and then and formulate how your feelings around that, and but then also how you can provide some education with that. And if you're still not, and I, I like writing things down because I'm, I'm, I'm one of those. I think of things after the fact right. sometimes. Um, and if after you write it down, right, and you've, you've gotten your script together and you don't feel comfortable pulling the person aside and talking to them one-on-one, -on -one, then find your ally. You know, hopefully you have a culture of allyship and there should be an ally at work that you can at least say to them, you know, gosh, I, when someone made that comment, I, I felt very uncomfortable with it or I felt it was inappropriate or disrespectful. And I really, you know, hope that next time they would then say this. And then that ally will probably be someone who could be your voice and, and then feel comfortable with pulling the person aside and, and giving them that teachable moment. I think that those are, you know, some of the best ways that you can do it if you don't feel comfortable addressing it. But at the end of the day, it has to be addressed. People can't yeah. learn. People can't correct the wrongs if they don't know what they're doing is wrong. Right. And it's. Um... And I think one of the important things you just said, Nadia, and we talked about a little bit before, is that though people don't intend to do things, mm -hmm. the impact is still there. And so we have yeah. to talk about that. So maybe you weren't intention, you know, you weren't intentionally trying to be offensive. Still, somebody felt that impact and has to deal with it. So, so what are you going to do to to make the situation better? Yeah, yeah. and I, I want to be clear and just say this because I I gave some examples of things I noticed that happened where I was like, hmm, this seems not quite right. That did not start happening until I started to learn more about what being inclusive meant mm -hmm. and what diversity and inclusion and belonging meant. And the reflection on that is, wow, I've been the microaggressor as well. And still, and still sometimes I am. And so it's mm -hmm. not just noticing when it's happening in front of me, to me, yeah. or to folks in my immediate vicinity. I, I, I have been the issuer of that as well. And so slowing down and understanding, wow, how did that sound? How did that make someone feel? That wasn't the right thing to do. Um, it's yeah. really, it's really self-work, right? And then work that in, uh, involves the communities in which we, we interact. And Amory, right. I think that really focusing in on that when you're in that like elevated position of power that we find ourselves structurally in the organization chart or those of us that hold certain levels of privilege based on our own identities. When we take that on, when we get ourselves into that space and we have the ability, it's a responsibility then to create that environment for other folks. So I think that that's really, really powerful. And Jacob, as our lone male on the podcast, we're talking a little about women's empowerment, but I would be interested to hear how you would um, give advice to males who may be in that meeting and they notice that the woman is being asked to take notes, would you, how would you suggest the allyship in that? Would you say, stand up for them or say, no, I'll take the notes or what exactly would you say about that? All of it, both. Um, I think that it's important that we put ourselves out there. I think that in order for, obviously there's those gender power differences, right? And innately and because of the society that we live in, men, have that right and it's our responsibility with great power comes great responsibility spider-man quote right 
yeah. um, that we have the space and the ability to do that, step up, put yourself out there, call it out. And I, and I think that as we do these um, micro interventions in response to microaggressions, like we have to do those to, to really affect change. And it's gonna be uncomfortable. It's exactly what we've already talked about from somebody advocating for themselves. When you are putting yourself out there to pull somebody else up, it's the same uncomfortable feeling that practicing it, reflecting on it and committing to it is what's really gonna make a difference. Um, once you do that a few times, you're gonna obviously be a little bit more comfortable and um, having the conversation afterwards and debriefing with the person that you're trying to uplift and help. I think that that's a, an important part too, not to say, oh, look at me, I have just performed this great, wonderful thing to, to help you out as a, a male ally or as a white ally, um, but to say and check in with that person. I, I could see this being uncomfortable for you. I could see this being a really dangerous or unhealthy or unsafe situation for you in these certain situations. So how can I help you? This is what I did. Is there something that I could do better next time? And just really checking um, after the fact to make sure that you're doing yeah. what that person needs and what that person wants. Really powerful words. Just hearing you say that was was powerful for me, just, just listening to that. It um, immediately makes you feel like you're in a safe space and you can share. So um, gosh, we just cannot thank you guys enough. Mm -hmm. um, what an incredible team. You guys have joined us on this journey uh, to becoming more compassionate, welcoming, uh, inclusive individuals and organizations. And um, like Jacob said, and, and Julia and Nadia before, I mean, this work is, is never done. It's never done. So if you want to learn more about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, plan a training session for your organization, um, Jacob, Nadia, Julia, how can they get in contact with your team? How can our listeners contact you? Yes. So we, so we all look at each other. <laughs> we are all looking at each other. Drum roll. We, We're trying to make sure no one of us don't talk with the other one. Mm -hmm. um, you could definitely um, visit us on our website um, at um, Tiffin University. And then through that, you can also navigate to the Center of Intercultural Excellence. It showcases um, our, our leaders in the center. Um, we are pretty much the, the main facilitators uh, for the work that we do for our external partners. Um, and then you can always email us as well at um, interculturalexcellence at tiffin.edu. Um, and then we'll, we'll answer any questions you have um, we love doing, you know, the consultant piece as well. So if you have questions or, you know, things you just want to run past us outside of trainings, we're happy to help. Um, like Julia mentioned, I think in one of the episodes, we have a list of books and resources that's also mm -hmm. available. I'm not sure if it's yet on the website, but we're happy to send those over as well. We just want to do as much as we can to help everyone grow in creating a place where everyone feels like they belong. And so how we can do that work, we are open to that. Thank you so much. The work is yes. never done. It's never <laughs> done. And our training nope. that we're doing, guys. <laughs> yep. So thank you guys so much for joining us. This was my favorite podcast series. And I'm so excited to have thank our you. listeners give us some feedback. Um, any questions, comments, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. Or you can reach me at Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Side Effects.